Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Anabaptist Perspectives. I'm, I'm here with Dan, and uh, for security reasons, we're not going to say who that is, and that's why this you only find this episode on audio. You won't find it on video. Um, so do keep that in mind, um, and that is not his real name either. So he has served in the Middle East a, a fair bit, and you're, you're fairly familiar with you know what's happening over there and, yeah, what the needs are. And we want to do an episode on what your perception is for Anabaptist opportunities over there in the Middle East. It seems like it's in the news for all the wrong reasons. Um, and traditionally, Anabaptists have always been about how can we help people? What can we do to help build God's kingdom? Um, yeah, so let's just dialogue a little bit about that. Um, and the first off is, you know, what are, what are ways that, that we can respond um, considering how how war torn most of the Middle East is right now, how can we sp- we respond? What can we do? Yeah, very good question. I think most people, as they read the news and they hear about that, they have a little a little bit of that reaction. What can I do? How can I help? And um, the very first thing, which sounds maybe blasé, but it actually is all very important, is that we can pray. We can pray for the people of the Middle East. Maybe you're an older person. There's no way that you can really leave home, do anything. But you can, where you are, you have the opportunity to pray. And um, pray specifically for countries. Pray for people who are assisting the refugees in the countries. And um, pray that God would use this experience in the hearts of refugee people to help them to see him uh, as he really is. Um, beyond that, there's also there, there are opportunities to go to the Middle East and to get involved. Um, it varies from country to country what the, what the um, restrictions and regulations are for getting into the country and how long you can stay. And so there are some challenges. But um, in Lebanon, Jordan, uh, Iraq, Turkey, uh, all of those have at least some level of opportunity for volunteers and people to go, whether it's actually helping to distribute things, working with refugee children, teaching English, um, there are there are some opportunities, and those are good things to do. Um, another thing that I think, though, is really, really important for us as Anabaptists is to just look and see, have any refugees come into our communities? Um, because the reality is that war in the Middle East almost always, a couple years later, produces a flood of refugees to the West. And at least that's been the way it's been for the last couple years. And so as, you know... Why buy a plane ticket and go far away if you have a refugee family living right next to you that you could minister to? And there's been there's been lots of um, opportunities in the last number of years for people to for Anabaptist people to get to know Muslim families right in their own neighborhoods, refugee families from Iraq or from Syria, and often they're here. Everything's new. Maybe they don't know the language. They need people to help them understand their mail, to take them to the doctor, to take them shopping. Just, there's lots of practical ways we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to, um, to refugees. And so um, there's enough opportunities that if you're interested in becoming involved with Middle East refugees, it shouldn't be a problem, even if you have to drive an hour or two from your home to do it. What would be some advantages that our Anabaptist people will have when, when relating to people from the Middle East? I, I, I guess I'm thinking a little more like cultural and beliefs. Like, yeah, what are some advantages that we have? That's an excellent question. As Anabaptist people, we have several things that we believe in pretty strongly. One is the value of the family. Um, we believe that God intended the family, as a, he designed the family as a, an intact social unit with a mother and a father and, and children to work together and there to be a love and harmony in that relationship. 
Um, and then extended family ties are really important to us with reunions and the relatives. We also believe in, in a church brotherhood, which is kind of like a, a support group for us. And this message resonates in the Middle East. The Middle East tends to be more of a tribal society, and there are many similarities to the tribe and to our church brotherhoods, in a sense, uh, where people are looking out for each other and, and helping each other. Um, family structures in the Middle East are very strong, and so the um, and so there's there's that connection. So if a, if I as an Anabaptist am talking to a Muslim person from the Middle East and uh, showing them a picture of my fairly large family and grandmother and grandfather are on the picture, that, that just resonates to them because they have this idea that Westerners don't really care about families, that they reject their old people, that they have one or two children, and that's it. And so there's instantly some kind of connection point and an uh, element of trust that's built up by recognizing we have those similarities. I could go on about this for a long time, as you can tell, but... The, um, another connection point that I see between Anabaptists and, the, and people from the Middle East is the whole um, idea that there are separate roles for men and women and um, distinct gender roles. Now, I'm not going to say that they're equal. I'm not saying that we view this exactly the way Muslims might because there are some key differences. But we, but we do believe that God has designed a role for a man and a role for, for a woman. And that's very similar to how Muslims would see the world. Um, we also believe that there should be reserve between the genders. We believe in modesty for, for men and women. And we believe in um, purity before marriage. We don't believe in just, you know, shacking up and having multiple partners. And all of this is, are things that Muslims would also teach. And... And it builds a level of respect um, when they say, wow, these are people that um, believe like we do. Because they're too often have been brainwashed into thinking that Christianity is like a license to live however you want to. And to kind of live like movie stars. And so these are strong connection points. There's another, one more thing that I'll talk about um, that I think is a real strength that Anabaptists bring to, to the Middle East and to people from that region. And that is that historically and hopefully into the future... We have kept ourselves away from politics and government. And um, unfortunately, a lot of people from the Middle East are upset with the American government. They're upset with the way it, they feel that it has treated them and treated their homelands. And um, I'm not even going to get into the, you know, whether they're justified in those thoughts or not. Um, but what I will say is that the ability to say, I don't vote in politics. I, I belong to the kingdom of God. And it's a kingdom that transcends any earthly citizenship is a tremendous asset when you're talking to Muslims. You don't have to defend what America has or hasn't done. You don't have to defend what Britain or any other countries has or hasn't done. You can just say, this is what God teaches. This is how I choose to live my life. And it doesn't really matter what the kingdoms of the world are doing. And I'm sorry if my country has hurt you in some way. When I was over there in Iraq um, working with refugees and and so forth, that was a really big one. It was like, we're just here to help people. We are here to help civilians. We will help them rebuild. We will give food, whatever. And we're not here, you know, under a particular government or we're not here to help one particular militia or anything political. We just want for life to continue for these people in a normal way. And that's just huge. And and this was even like general soldiers, you know, people that are in the military and that want us to take a side. Yeah. Um, 
they really respect that because they're like, man, you know, if everyone, this is what one of them said, you know, if everyone believed like you, you know, this way of peace, this way of love, of helping people instead of hurting, um, you know, if everyone was like that, we wouldn't have this problem, is what he said. Um, and, you know, and he doesn't even believe that himself. Like, he doesn't believe that way. I don't know. I found that, I found that really powerful. And, and, and that kind of pulls into the next question then. Like, how can our people learn to live out of that, to live out of that love, out of that peace, mm-hmm. instead of fear? Because it is very, I mean, you turn on the news. It's easy to get scared of what some extremist groups are doing and what's happening in the Middle East. What's something practical? Like, what can we do? I think maybe before we do anything, we, we, need to, we need to really spend the time with God and soul searching and spending time with the Word. And I particularly think about the Sermon on the Mount. You know, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount was, it takes up, what, three chapters of Scripture? But it encapsulates, like, a way of life that is very challenging to live in some ways, and yet it's very beautiful. Um, the principles that Jesus listed there help to answer these questions. It's, um, it's, it, it, it starts out with blessings for those who are willing to give so that others can benefit. And then it dives into a lot of practical areas in loving our enemies and, and how to relate to them. And so as we read the Sermon on the Mount and we get to know Jesus, who, who is the author of the Sermon on the Mount, as we understand his heart and, and say, my life is designed to follow Jesus, well, then obviously we want to make that practical and flesh that out. What's that look like, you know, in my daily life? And so one of the one of the ways it looks like is if it says love your enemies, find somebody who actually falls into one of those categories, supposed enemy to love, right? Um, and you might have to look a little ways, but unfortunately in our American society, too many people view Muslims as the enemy. Um, I don't think they're the enemy. I think they're people that God loves. I think they're people that need to know more about God um, and His love for them. But, but as, we, as we reach out to people who, let's say, are the perceived enemy and, and maybe seek to develop a friendship with just one person, too often fear works like this. We fear what we don't know. So we're afraid of something. We, we've seen a little bit about it. We've heard a little bit about it. We don't know enough about it. And, and we're just afraid, so afraid that we just stand back. You know, we just don't engage. But the love that casts out fear is the love that goes to that person and says, I'm afraid of you, but I'm still going to try to get to know you. I'm still going to try to reach out to you. And I think when we, we're willing to take that leap of faith, then God can do good things, um, both in our hearts and their hearts. And a piece of advice uh, I heard from someone when I was over there in, in Jordan, actually, is he said, you know, just go out and meet a Muslim family. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's incredible how many people are fearful, say, of, of some of these things. And then you ask them, well, do you actually know any Muslims? Yeah. You know, have you actually been to one of their homes? Mm-hmm. No, they haven't. Well, and you, maybe some of them have, but mm-hmm. vast majority have not. And I find that very troubling. You know, how are we actually taking the time to build understanding? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we don't agree with you know, some of the things they believe and a lot of things that have happened and all of that. But at least try to understand them. Yeah, very good points. We, um, we must, we must, if we're, gonna, if we're followers of Jesus, then we need to follow the way Jesus said, which is loving, it's caring, it's being compassionate. Uh, Jesus saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. And I think that's his call to us too. Compassion, not fear. I like that. Compassion, not fear.
what would you like to see our Anabaptist people do in response to the enormous needs across the Middle East right now? That's a very good question, and it's one that is, um, well, I wrestle with in some ways, so I'm not sure that I have a completely clear-cut answer. But I would like to see Anabaptist people see the unique opportunities they have in relating to Muslims um, as they think about the gifts, the heritage they've been given, as they think about Islamic culture and some of the, some of the connection points that we talked about earlier, and see how can this be a way of possibly introducing Muslims to Christ and introducing them to the teachings of Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and so that's going to involve sacrifice. It's going to involve long-term commitment. It's going to involve people who are willing to say, you know what, uh, I'm going to give up my dreams of what I wanted to do here in my comfortable home, and I'm going to go and kind of do some pioneer work. Um, because in many of the locations where the refugees are, it's not easy to live long-term. So you may have to be creative about working in a business or teaching or doing something that allows you the, the freedom to be there. Uh, maybe starting some kind of organization that can provide services to the people there. But I would love to see more and more people doing that kind of thing and, and caring, investing, trying to learn the languages of the region and um, really saying, this is something I want to do. And I think what that's going to take, and, and we're seeing it actually, we're seeing it now in our generation, which is really a blessing. Um, but it's going to take more of it, more than what we're even seeing now, of churches and individuals and organizations coming together to create that um, structure or framework to make it happen. Because um, it's easy for one individual person to say, oh yeah, I have this goal, I have this desire. But if they have no one to rally behind them to provide that um, support base, that command structure that, that authorizes them and gives them this sense that I am part of something bigger and I am um, being commissioned and sent out, it's going to be hard for them. So I think this is a real challenge that we have as Anabaptists right now is how can we create the infrastructure uh, that is necessary to support the, the Anabaptist people who might want to go out and do this and give their lives in long-term service. So that's probably the biggest burden in my heart right now. It's going to take an enormous amount of effort and collaboration between people. It does. It does. And this sometimes gets us in uncomfortable situations because um, within the, the constraints of our, um, you know, our church structures in the United States, we have fairly defined lines about fellowship and about um, various things, you know, who we are. And sometimes those can get blurred. They can get... Um, they can get a little bit challenging when you're working in another environment and your people from different backgrounds are coming together. And these are valid considerations, things we need to think through and, and need to deal with wisely. And I'm not trying to say that they're not, but it, there is a level of challenge that's there. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, I think the only thing I would say is that it is a real challenge, but God is bigger and God is great. And I believe that God has given us this moment in history as a unique opportunity. The internet has opened the world up in ways that it wasn't open before. People throughout the Middle East, their eyes, their ways of thinking is changing. The whole wars in the Middle East, the, all that's going on, the refugee flow. Um, Islam is in the news, so even uh, Anabaptists are hearing more about it. And it's creating an awakening among them. And so on so many levels, I see this as a really pivotal time. Um, and I feel like God maybe brought us to the, to the picture for such a time as this. And so it's an exciting thing. It's difficult, but God is always stronger, and I think he will give us the power and wisdom to get through this 
era in our in our history and hopefully it can be to his honor and glory and beautiful things can come from it thank you everyone for listening to this and, and thank you dan for coming on and sharing your thoughts and some of your experience that you've had um, like you said it will be a real challenge it'll take a lot of effort but through the grace of god i think we can do it so. thank you everyone and we'll have a, another podcast episode out in uh, next week Thank you for listening to Anabaptist Perspectives. Your listening and sharing this with friends helps more people find our episodes. A special thanks to all of you who support Anabaptist Perspectives financially. We are here because of you. If you haven't had the chance to give yet this year, would you consider making a year-end donation? You can donate on our website or by check. Thank you so much for listening and supporting Anabaptist Perspectives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We invite you to join our monthly partner program. Monthly partners are key to the financial sustainability of Anabaptist Perspectives. Partners also gain access to bonus content, including our exclusive podcast where we respond to audience questions and comments. Sign up at anabaptistperspectives.org.